So, uh, Henry, I'm I'm happy to announce that uh, Cooking Mama has finally heard the uh, the cries, if you will, of a much uh, ignored and neglected community of the video game population, and they are creating uh, the meat lovers version of Cooking Mama, meaning they they they're now fully giving the middle finger to those of you who do not eat meat and definitely not adding a vegetarian mode to the upcoming Cooking Mama game. <laughs> Yeah, so I think yeah, this is it. It's really, really interesting that, I mean, it's it's a you know cute, cuddly video game, and but yeah, they're they're going to have a, you know, a vegetarian option. You know, they're not remaking the whole game to be vegetarian. You know, so you know they're not like excluding people or making a statement because yeah, games can't make a statement. You know. I'm personally super looking forward to the controversy that comes out of this, like all the fucking neckbeards out there being like, Cooking Mama attacks my lifestyle of Funyuns, Mountain Dew, and Domino's be uh, Meat Lover Pizza. Everyone should boycott this game. Yeah, because it's it's like, that's it's not beyond the, the realm of possibility. Because if that controversy doesn't start, I will start it for my own amusement. We've seen much, much stupider controversies. We've literally covered them. So, yeah, but, you know, but my question is, what other modes would you like to see well, in Cooking Well, Alex Mama? is not here, but obviously they need to have a Guy Fieri or Fury, however the, hell you're, however the fuck you pronounce his mode. Like, they, they need the guy, uh, the guy Fury edition that comes with the shirt and a wig and a pair of sunglasses. Yes. I, and it's just kind of like borderline truck stop food the entire time. I, I also think there should be a... Um, Emerald was the BAM guy, right? Yes. So, like, make it Phoenix right so you have the BAM button. It's <laughs> like, any time during a recipe, you can BAM the recipe. And just, like, it's this long <laughs> Final Fantasy power move cutscene of just, like, meteors coming from the orbit, like, towards the food, and then just BAM! A little spice gets added. How about the Paula Dean? mode the mode where every every ingredient is butter and it's accidentally racist yeah i i i could see that being added in this bizarre scenario where any of these are possible um what would the rachel ray move be just like a, a like a blinding amount of smiling or something that's already kind of cooking mama yeah it's that rachel the original mode is rachel ray mode yeah. i would argue like it's broke just, college student mode, or you keep insisting you have multiple recipes for ramen noodles that make it less depressing. <laughs> yes, you know if you throw some, you just chili mix powder the two on spice it. packets. Yeah, mix the two spice packets. Yep. Every I, recipe ends with you calling your parents to ask for, ask for a couple hundred bucks. Oh, that'd be the most microtransaction you bullshit ever. Oh, 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 keto, keto, mama. Okay, if we're saying dumb stuff, juice cleanse mama at that point then too. <laughs> so yeah, we we should have juice cleanse mama. <laughs> As the toxins leave your system, courtesy of the cayenne, watermelon, maple syrup, mustard mix, you'll you'll feel your senses heightened. It's definitely not starvation making your sense of smell stronger. It's the toxins <laughs> leaving. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Wicked Awesome Cast. 
number 169? I think it's 8? 168, yeah, 169's next. Sorry, sorry everybody, 168. I am Henry, a.k.a. Nomad Heart, a.k.a. Kraken Zero, and with me, as always, is the the main dude, that is the one named Charlie, a.k.a. Morgan. Hey, I've Mordak. actually missed the podcast that we put up, so... <laughs> So Mordak undivided. Yep. He he is uh he cannot be divided. Only he by is, zero. He is, a, he is a prime number. So I like that. <laughs> Why you wouldn't divide? Because I'm prime, bitches. Yeah. It's a good game retaunt. So as you listeners out there may or may not have figured out already. There we are, Alexless, because you haven't heard a pun yet. <laughs> this so, podcast, 100% pun-free. Yep, yep, yep. So, yep, so today we are, we are without the Mr. Alex. We are, we are saddened, but also a little bit happy. Sorry, Alex. <laughs> yeah. But, no, but, yep, Alex isn't here with us today, but... We got we got things to talk about. There's stuff stuff did happen over the week. So I guess I, Wow, this is the, <laughs> we're, we're we're flowing this week, man. <laughs> we got the transitions here. We got the best transitions. We're moving, we're grooving, we're definitely not stumbling all over ourselves like dumbasses. <laughs> ah. <sighs> <sighs> So, what have you been up to this week? Not much. Um, I, I had a parent in town, so that kind of cut into the gaming time some. But I we did, I forgot to talk about it last week. But the uh, the Starfinder campaign, I've talked about this. The uh, mm. the players have finished their first arc. Their characters were bloody and brutally ma- murdered. One of them was turned inside out by a miniature black hole. One of them was Spider Man from the end of uh, Infinity War. He's kind of turned to dust. I think the best death was one of them got pulled into a giant temple door. Like, they, they ran outside of it, the door got closed, they got, like, gravity put, weld into the backside of it and just had their spine forced out that way. Uh, a quick refresher that when we went into this, like, the characters were going to die. I'm a strong believer in the first characters you create for any RPG you've never played before are garbage, and, like, you should do a quick campaign and kill them at the end so you're actually then forced people to make real characters at that point. Because they know what the fuck yeah, they're sort of give, doing. Yeah, give, give people a chance to see what the system is like so that they can make a character that more fits their game style. Yeah, and for those who think that experiment sounds cool and unusual, it works because we had some that thought they were going to make one character and fucking hated the play style for that character in mm-hmm. the test, and they were going to the total opposite direction now. Which seems exactly. cool. Exactly. Literally what I was talking about. Yeah. So, yes, absolutely. So, yeah, and I... And, yeah, honestly, like the first characters I ever rolled up for like original D and D, second edition, which is the f- or first edition. Oh, that which is dating is... yourself, man. Oh yeah. Oh, when I when I was when I was like in grade school, I played D and D first edition straight up. Was and... it advanced D and D? No, that's second edition. Yeah, I know. No, 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 no. Before that, no. I and I played a fighter, and that's like. And it's easy to play, but it was just like, I've never played a fighter since. They suck till, like, what's it, level three or something? <clears throat> um, no, I mean, the thing is, actually, fighters, and even Sucks still Sucks maybe now, the wrong word. They get cool stuff. 
Yeah, the but they them. start out easy to play. Like, what do you they do? can do you a lot of damage, thing. and they have a lot of hit points. Yeah. And so you can afford to make a lot of mistakes. You play a, you know, starting from second edition, you play a mage right off the bat, man, you're fragile. Like, you don't want to... You don't want to walk too hard, or else Why you might die. Why is my skin die. and bones made of all this glass? How am I <laughs> the glass man? Yep. So, but yeah, that. But you know, and they've tried to make fighters cooler over the years by giving them, you know, better. Not to go too far into this, but just giving them, you know, better stuff. But yeah, yeah, your first character, you you need you need a chance to figure out what works for you and what doesn't, and yeah. that's not obvious from just reading the rules. It's really not. And so actually playtesting means a lot. Yeah. And if no, you yeah. really and it can be a lot of fun if you're especially creative a creative DM or GM or whatever and uh, find out creative ways of killing off the characters. Oh yeah, no. It is it, it's I I I finally found my GM groove with the group like it's one of those ones where it's the they appreciate sil- uh, a serious story. They want room to do silly in it. So they, they just like over the top final destination deaths I was throwing at them for their characters that were completely unavoidable. They were just into <laughs> like they were comparing who got killed the best afterwards. It was it was fun. Yeah, it, it, it was one of those things where it's like uh, for those who play a tabletop game, like as much as it occasionally seems like your GM just sits there like fingers steepled just being like soon your characters will die no we, we want you to have fun but there is kind of just a joy in like when you finally kill a character you want to relish that kill a little bit you're like yeah you've killed so many of my minions but now you thor oaken shield will die horribly upon my really a goblin got you huh okay the goblin skull fucks you to death yeah, I said it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Sounds cool, yeah. Yeah, we're on a hiatus from that for two weeks for various vacation reasons, and then I'll... I, I will be back, not next podcast, but that one after that with kind of reports from our next Game Zero, and then we're kicking off again. They're doing... like They have a real story arc that probably take longer than I think it should after that, but yeah, it's going to be fun. On the video game end of things, I'm still playing way too goddamn much Destiny, but I'm not going to talk too much about that. I did make some time to play the game at, um, not not at, uh, just Rebel Galaxy Outlaw. I have not played enough of Rebel Galaxy to kind of give a whether I think it's a good or bad game or not, but I think we talked about this, God, probably like 20 podcast episodes ago, as if you're looking for that single-player thing that Starfinder pro not Starfinder, um uh Star Citizen, that's the word I was looking for. Mm. Star Citizen. That kind of giant open world galaxy space trucker game that's not Elite Dangerous and not Star <laughs> Citizen and runs on modern cons runs on modern equipment and has like modern considerations and has a good tutorial and interface and like a dumb level of customization. Go check out Rebel Galaxy. I, I know, like, uh, Jeff, one of the former people on this podcast, was a huge fan of Freelancer. And this is that game. Mm. Like, it's very much up that alley. Like, it's for those of you that want a game, you can do Hotos. Uh, that's hand on uh, throttle and stick, for those who don't know, or um, Hosos, ho- um, yeah, hand, uh, hands on stick and stick. 
this is that game. If you just want a game that you can also just play with like an Xbox 360 controller or an Xbox One controller or PS4 controller, you can plug that into your PC too. If you want a game where you can get your sweet ass space trucker ship and just put the, 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 the just horniest anime girls on it, this is also that game for you. The customization for your ships is needlessly awesome. You can just <laughs> upload pings to uh, that PNG files to it and stuff. I, it's I, I use the horny anime girl thing because I have seen some just like hilarious people trying to make like the most cringeworthy ships. Because it's a single-player <laughs> game, it's like, yeah, we're making that terrible otaku shirt in space. I'm like, that's pretty terrible. A lot of bunny girls on one ship. Wish I could murder that ship. That'd be real good. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's cool. It's got some stuff going on. That it's, it is unfortunately, I think, only available on the Epic Store. At least that's where I'm playing it off of. I've So far, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I know some people will find the first-person cockpit stuff a little bit frustrating go to third person if you're doing that i know like it's such a hack that there's been several articles about the game written where it's like unless you're like really hardcore into this maybe try a third person mode it makes it kind of feel like Star Fox. uh mm. but again it, it's this is not Star Fox. it's a very deliberate kind of slows the wrong word but like um meanderingly paced game like it's jumps from planet to planet because it's single player there's not kind of the same emphasis on exact real world real time parameters but like Hmm. it's also the kind of the fun redneck space genre that like i I love so much where it's quadrants are like texas wyoming it's just like yeah welcome to texas uh soul system and you're like okay why is it called texas it's the biggest okay (laughs) fair enough um there's aliens, there's space trucking, there's a wanted level. Uh, it's it, There's just some cool interactions where, like, if you get pulled over, you can dump your cargo in an attempt to get space pirates not to go after you. Or if you've been, like, real good with the law for a long time, maybe the law will look the other way if they catch you with some shit you're not supposed to have. There's, there's, a, there's a reverse wanted level, actually, too. Just kind of cool. Where it's like, oh, yeah, you got some legal shit on that ship? We'll ignore it this time, buddy. You've been a real upstanding citizen up till this point in time, so we're not going to bust you, but we're going to have to mark it down this piece of paper saying, yo, we caught it with some shit once, but it's fine. It's cool, bro. That's that's really interesting. I haven't I haven't seen uh, a system like that before. The game does, and it's, it's pretty simple. Like, it's a, it's a reverse star system. Like, you gain infamy yeah. stars and, like, law-abiding stars, and they kind of counteract each other, but it, hmm. it, it's cool. Like, it's... Again, I have not played enough of this game to kind of feel comfortable saying, like, do I like it or not? But there's, I, I feel like I'm going to like it. I have no idea how much of it I'll play because the game by its very nature just kind of takes a lot of time. And, like, if I had my full PC set up with my HOTAS set up attached to it, I would be fucking into this game. It's it's good. It's, it's great on my Xbox One Elite controller thing, too. It, it handles fine. But, like, there's something about this game that you feel you're like, yeah, I just want to put this throttle forward a little bit, hit that max speed, and just put my hands behind my head and coast for a little while. Yeah, we'll hit hyperspace, but we need to clear this asteroid belt first. Get that country going. Drink some half whiskey, half coffee. Just enjoy the ride. Speaking of actually country music, the radio stations for this game fucking kick ass. Oh, oh, it has radio stations. That's yeah, super I, cool. I, it, the, the dev has had a variety of kind of videos showing off parts of the game. Like, 
kind of by all measures, this is sort of an indie game. Hmm. It's not a big studio. It's kind of, in many ways, it is some dude made a video game. I'm simplifying it some, but like the lead, uh, the lead designer on the game has been out there just kind of like show like for like a couple of years now, just shown off the game in a way you typically don't see games and development be shown off. Like it's like, yeah, we're gonna go drift through space for three hours. I'm gonna talk about what we did for space while we drift. Sound fun? If not, game's probably not for you. Just gonna throw that out right now. I'm like, I do want to hear about this space drift. Yeah, so um, every planetary body has gravity to it. Okay, it has gravity to it. And they kind of pull you in various directions, even if they're nowhere nearby. Okay, not meaningfully. Yeah, of course, of course. I get it. I'm smart. I know how space works. I Yeah, I, I'm sure I'll have more to talk about next week. Uh, it's there are parts of the game I find intriguing and parts of it that I'm just like, I don't feel comfortable judging this just yet. But yeah, there's a space casino shaped like a giant roulette wheel. I think it's a roulette wheel. Or like, And you can go and you can gamble. And there's like black market parts you can buy and shit. Oh, that's... In- yeah. that's. I'll have to check this out. It sounds I, it's really so, fascinating. Like, and I, There are parts of this game that only work as the single-player game. Like, and I want to draw special attention to this. There are several ships you can upgrade to. The ship you start off with is, meh, intentionally. But I can. The, the guy made a video to outline this aspect of it. I think it bears talking about because it's something I think a lot of people find intimidating when these types of games drop. If you buy a ship and you don't like it in the game, you can refund it for a hundred percent of what you bought it for. Ooh. So the game encourages you to fight. The game is not trying to punish you at any point. The game wants to be played. It wants to be fun. It wants you... It, this is the most welcoming space sim trucker game I've ever played. Like it, it genuinely wants you to play and fuck about and find your ship and find what you want to do with the game and just kind of enjoy it. And I think that's, like, that's the most important thing I have to talk about this game. Like It's the... There, there are no. There's nothing about the game that feels like it's out to get you. Like I, I, I love Elite Dangerous. Part of me likes Star Citizen, but there's always kind of this vibe to both games of the game, because of its nature, has to kind of feel slightly unfair. Like it's better ships are better kind of thing, and because hmm. it's a single player, it's like yeah, better ships are better, but we don't know what better is for you, and we're not gonna pigeonhole you into a ship like. We expect you to buy all the ships eventually and customize them and kit them out and add generators to make them better or worse or better thrusters or whatever. But we don't want you to buy a ship, do like five missions with it and be like, man, I don't like this thing. I wish I'd gotten this other ship and then get mad at the game. No, just go sell that ship. We'll give you all the money back. Like, it's single player. What the fuck do we care kind of thing? We want you to have fun. There's a refreshing design philosophy to the game, I guess. And yes. it meshes well with this game is not for everyone like I, I don't think this game is for alex necessarily like if you're a fucking no scope 360 scoping counter-strike go player i'm not sure this game will be for you either because playing this game on adderall might give you a, like a brain aneurysm but <laughs> yeah i there's something there i'll definitely talk about this game more next week i have more time to dig into it uh, it's I wish I'd spent more time with it this week. Like there, there are parts of it I find just refreshing. There are some things I find like, yep, space simmy. But at the same time, like it's a space sim. It's supposed to be a space sim. Yeah, that sounds that sense sounds dumb and derivative. But like, either you're intrigued by the genre, or you're not. I'm not gonna change your mind on it. Like 
it's like being yeah. in the, like it's like being into the super high end car simulation games. I'm not, and I know I'm not. And as a result, I don't even bother like when people like write reviews. I'm like, okay, cool. It sounds like a good one for those people. Yeah. Still not gonna play Forza. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's been mostly what I've been up to. I cross save, not cross play. I keep saying cross play in my day to day life. Cross save comes to Destiny in this upcoming week, so I'm sure I'll have thoughts on that as well. Hmm. I got that character on PC, but yeah, that's more or less what I've been up to. What have you been up to, Henry? Well, on the gaming side, I've been continuing with the bridge, and it's it? getting it's getting harder and harder. In a good way it, or a bad way? It's like you good way. Like, okay, cool. Like it's it's getting more brain melting difficult. Excellent. It's every kind of chapter is introducing one or two new mechanics. And then, and then at least a couple, a uh, couple in that each one kind of throws everything, all the different mechanics you've already seen before, into one puzzle. And oh, it is brain melting! It is like trying to figure out an M.C. Escher print. It is, yeah, it is. It is very difficult. And 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 some of these puzzles i had to seriously sit there and think about them pretty hard because the new me- like it, i'm only up to chapter 4 right now oh, and how the many mechanics chapters? i don't know i haven't looked it up but but there are i know there are more there's there's going to be more to the game and it's already at a point where it's like whoa this is this is actually really really difficult i'm having to actually think pretty deeply because honestly like the first chapter it eases you into it, like, and that's and that's a good thing about what the game has done so all along. It's it's never throwing a new mechanic at you in in an overly complex way to start with. It'll show you all right a little nice. Uh, practically, it's like a tutorial you know level first. Like, here's how this thing works. Here's a chance to play around with it in a fairly re- reasonably easy to solve puzzle. And then it gets on to, here's this thing that you have to think in five dimensions to figure out. Good luck. But yeah, I'm very impressed with the game. I, I like the visual design of it. It's it's very nice. It's just kind of very nice. It's it's pleasant. Like the soundtrack isn't doesn't stand out. But in a puzzle game, I wouldn't really necessarily want or need the the soundtrack to stand out too much. So, other than that, I've been uh, a game that I put off for a long time, and I just hadn't played in a while, and I picked up again. Agorist: Generations of War. What? I don't know if you, I don't know if you've heard of it. But uh, obviously, by my joke, I have not. But <clears throat> okay, so it's a strategy. It's a tactical RPG. So it's you know like an XCOM or a Final Fantasy tactic. We don't normally or... just. How do you spell Agorist? Agarest. It's A G A R E S T. And yeah, and it's Generations of War. And so it works with the idea that it's part dating sim as well. Though the dating sim is pretty light and and it's really the tactical RPG part that's that's well thought out. And okay, I, I think I have looked this up correctly. Is it anime as shit? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Just making sure I was looking at the right thing. And so, what happens is with each generation, 
you choose who you're going to marry. So in that way, it's actually reminiscent of Fantasy Star 3, if for those of you familiar with that game, so which is one of my favorite games on the Genesis, to be honest. And yeah, the same <clears throat> mechanic where you have to choose who you're going to marry, and that determines like the attributes of the kid that you're going to have. And there's even a little mechanic in the game where you can go to a seer and they can kind of predict, like, in a certain sense, what kind of stats that if you have a child with this particular partner, what type of stats you're going to have. And, like, you know, if they're going to be strong in magic or in strength or something like that. So I, so. I keep up to ask this question. Like, I'm assuming it's a multi-generational game where an aspect of it is, like, breeding better soldiers. Is that correct? Well, I mean, it's just, just the one, just the main character. Okay, gotcha. But like I said, it's it just... And you only have... Usually you have three choices per generation. Like sure. As far, and so, yeah, and then choosing, you know, which depending on which one you choose will determine, yeah, which which stats are going to be stronger for each, for each successive character. So how many main characters do you get to make? I can't believe I said that sentence that way. Uh, I, well, I think there's going to be at least five generations. Damn! So, but it's not, like I said, it's only the main character that you're really creating, because some of the other characters, all right, so it's going with the elf trope in that elves, I mean, you're not an elf, you're actually human, but several of the people that you're with in your party are elves, and they're, like, very long-lived, like they are in kind of a lot of fantasy. That's kind of a cool and mechanic where the party character carries over, in theory, from character to character, because they're just naturally long-lived. Yep. That's yeah, a couple cool. of them. That's a neat twist on that formula. And so and so they end up being involved in raising your next the next generation as well. So I mean they're kind of like end up being mentors for the next generation. And that's the way they set it up. But yeah, the elf characters carry over. They're, they're because yeah, they're they're just long lived. But yeah, I think that's that's kind of cool because it gives you it, it makes it feel a little more it, like there's a continuous story going on, and there definitely is. There is a there is a overarching storyline where you're essentially you're trying to, and this is a trope too. You're trying to close off sort of a bad magic source, essentially, and but it's going to take multiple generations to pull this off, and and so you're basically like having kids so they can grow up to to fulfill a prophecy that the first create. The curse character essentially lock themselves into in order to save the realm. But yeah, I am kind of sad that the dating sim part of it is very, very minor. It's very small. It's only a handful of instances where you actually get to, uh, uh, you know, kind of like with most dating sims, it's a question and answer type of thing <clears throat> where they'll. Yeah, and you, or not necessarily question, but you'll have a chance to respond to something, and different characters will react in in certain ways depending on what you say. That <clears throat> they'll either you know be gain romantic, more romantic feelings for you, or less depending on your answers. And so, I guess if you want to end up with a certain character you just have to tailor your responses and guess at which responses they'll be most uh, uh they'll be 
that they'll most react warmly towards. And so, but yeah, it's, but yeah, that part is really, really not well developed. It's really kind of, yeah, it's, it's the small part. The big part really is the tactical RPG part. Okay, that's and what it's, When's, where's the tactical RPG part of this conversation? I know it's coming. Yeah, and it's really good. It's seriously really good. It doesn't have the ability, for instance, to like change roles or classes like you would in, in some other tactical games like Final Fantasy Tactics. But of course, there's many others where you don't like, you know, Disgaea doesn't really have changing classes, but it's a very deep tactical RPG as well. But in Agarest, the big thing is, all right, so your equipment makes a huge difference. And there's a pretty detailed, fairly detailed crafting part to it where you craft items and you are generally going to find better weapons than you're going to craft. But as far as like accessories and armor, you're, you're going to want to craft your own accessories especially because that's where you're going to get the good ones. But the way the in battle, the way it works is your formation matters a ton. It matters a ton. And so the the major mechanic is that each character, well, you can have sort of connections between characters. And what the connections do between characters is it links their turns. And so in a given turn, and then each character has their own moves that they can do. They have their own you know sub-turn within the turn. And there's an order. And the order is, of course, based on how fast they are, you know, what their, what, you know, what their speed is, essentially. And, but, if the characters have a special link between them, you can have multiple characters, like the much slower characters, take a turn during that character's turn, if they have the link. And the link is based on their positioning away from each other. So on the grid, there'll be, like, for each character... A certain number of spaces away in certain individual spaces, if another character is in that, they gain a link. And so you have to move your characters sort of in while thinking about how to link them with each other so that they, they can do moves together. And some and to do and so you'll move your characters around and sometimes you have to even turn them, like have them face a certain direction so that you'll get that link so that in in essence, it allows your slower characters to take their turns way faster, but it also allows you to do combined moves between characters, and they only have enough action points to do a certain number of moves. And so, for the larger combo moves that are you that are created by doing certain types of moves together, like 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 there's a move where it's like you have to have a two di- two different fire spells and an attack spell. And it does a much larger move, but one character alone won't be able to pull that off by themselves on a turn, so it's going to have to take multiple characters to do that. So, there's a lot of different reasons why you want your characters to be linked up, so that they can take turn, they can all do an attack on one character's turn. And so, yeah, so that part of it, I like that part of it. So that now formation really matters, even more so than any other tactical RPG I've played. I think it's a really neat mechanic, and yeah, it, it can lead to a lot of cool combinations and characters working together to try to pull off certain moves. 
or to just do tons and tons of damage. It also, uh, the system also includes a, an ability to capture monsters and use them. Because, I guess, why not? <laughs> I mean, why not what make it also... What do you do with the monsters when you catch them? I don't know, because I haven't managed to do it yet. Gotcha. I keep ac I've only recently gotten... Alright, so... And I'm only in Generation 2. I've just started Generation 2. Okay, it's so not even halfway through, really. No, not even close. And so... But I... I've finally got an ability that's going to make capturing monsters easier. And so, because what you have to do is you have to get them down to really low life and then use the capture ability. But now I've got another ability, which there's also a mechanic where you can assign different spells to people. Like, you can buy the spell and, and certain people can use certain spells. They have a certain number of slots to put into their weapons and accessories that you can use to be able to cast spells. And so hmm. now I have an ability that always that will never kill an enemy. It will at most take them down to one hit point. And so oh, like a final that, cut or something. Got it. Yeah, so now I'll be able to use the capture ability way easier without having to sometimes it's very, very difficult to tell if you're gonna just annihilate an enemy or not. Especially yeah. that's the thing, you might get a critical and then you just kill the crap out of them when you intended to capture them. Yeah, so the now, Pokemon effect. Where it's, man, I want to catch this thing. Oh no, I murdered it by accident. Yep. So, yeah, now I at least have an ability that's going to allow me to capture instead of just obliterate enemies, which has been happening a lot. But, yeah. I do wish that, yeah, there, the dating sim thing was a little more in-depth. Or at least there was more chances to do it because there's not a lot of chances in the first generation anyway. There were not a lot of setups that actually had this chance to gain or lose heart, you know, love points with with each, each of the possibilities. And so it makes it kind of frustrating because it is kind of a, an important mechanic for the next character to determine their stats. And so yeah, that's. So you don't get a lot of time to try to figure out what each character, what each possibility would respond to, what types of responses that they'll respond positively to. When you're and done so, with this, I need to loan you my Switch so you can play that new Fire Emblem game. <laughs> oh yeah, I've heard I've heard interesting things about that. Yeah, you feel like the right person that you picked up a game with like I don't want to say hero breeding or like character eugenics, but you're the right mix of person who wants that tactical RPG and also like wants that social dating esque aspect of the game. There, that of the three of us on this podcast, like I have no interest in it. Alex would probably get creepy with it. You'd like actually probably enjoy the game more. Yep, yeah. I mean, there again, it's touching on you know this one in gen in particular is touching on multiple genres of games sure. that I enjoy. Tactical RPGs, Super Yes. Dating Sims, yeah, I play a couple of dating Sims. Though I don't play a ton, but I enjoy the ones I own. And, yeah, so... But, yeah, that's that was pretty much my gaming for the week. I'm still watching Legion, and I haven't watched the last episode. Mm. I'm probably going to wait I've on that I've heard mixed things bit. about it. About the last episode? Yeah. Uh, but I have to say that so far, this current season has been just all except for maybe one episode which i was kind of bored by to be honest 
but every other episode has been just spectacular and just like whoa that's a really cool idea and i like the way this was executed all right so with there again i don't want to talk too much about it to give things away but let's just say they include in this season they're including a time travel aspect and it's the way they're doing it ha so far has been fascinating and interesting and I am interested to see the way they'll deal with it in the end. But the way that they've done it and the way that they've been dealing with it is... I mean, that's the thing. Like, the time travel stuff, it can be done really badly. When it's bad, it's awful. So, and it's hard to do well, I have to say that. It's really hard to do any sort of a time travel type of a thing well. And have that in your show. And not have it just break the show. So, so, but yeah, this, but yeah, so far it's still impressing me. I love every episode still, even the, like the one I didn't like as much is visually stunning. Just absolutely visually stunning. I, I like the acting in it. I like the actors they picked, especially like for the main, like the main characters and the main cast. It's kind of an ensemble, ensemble cast. And honestly, everybody was just really good and nuanced like just very like especially some of the characters are just really fascinating and very nuanced it still is playing with the whole good bad gray area fuzzy thing everything's more complex than than it's even first presented yeah it's just it's a great season a great a great great series and I still highly recommend anybody to watch Legion. You don't need to like X-Men to like Legion. You don't need to know anything about X-Men to like Legion. Honestly. Because what little tie it has into the X-Men universe is fully explained in the show. It's straight up fully explained. And so there's no, oh, well, you have to have read the comic to the show at all. So, yeah, anybody can get into it. It's not something that requires background story to, to get into. Everything's explained in show and in universe. There's no assumptions about, you have to know, oh, if you knew about this. I will have to say, knowing about some things makes the show a little more fun. It has some little, there are parts in it that are little definite parts from the comic book that it just kind of has a sort of, you know, a, a throw, you know, it's, Nice things for the fans, where you know, for the fans like myself who are familiar with the comic and the comic and the origins of the character, and but yeah, you don't have to know anything about it, and you can just go into it and enjoy it for just the show. It's not a typical superhero show. I mean, we're seeing a couple of those already. I mean, I there again, like the boys, like you know, just what I've heard you describe it as. It just sounds really, really cool. And yeah, but yeah, it's super good. Yeah. Other than that, I've been watching, and I've been putting this off. I don't know why. Uh, Cells at Work, which is a lovely little anime. Sorry, say that name again. Cells at Work. Cells like the things in your body. Yes, exactly that. It is an anime about. It is a anthropomorphized version of what's going on inside your body. 
All right, which and part so, of my body do I want to fuck the most? Is I, I think the question we all have right now. Like, uh, probably the main character, Red Blood Cell. Okay. Yep. Um, or maybe I don't know. There's, there's, there's. It's, it's, it's cute, adorable. It's fun, and it's also really, really specific on the scientific parts, on the medical parts, like. It'll explain what's going on. It gives you. It's like it's a textbook come to life in an entertaining way because you know essentially each episode revolves around something's happened, like the character, the the body has caught a cold. The or, art style for this thing is ridiculous for what it is. Yeah, and so yeah, there is so the yeah the episode will be about oh they caught a cold or. Oh, they got a they got cut or a scrape or something, and then what's going on inside the body when that happens? And it's it's it is super anime. It is, but it is fun. It's lighthearted. It's it's just oh, it's a joy to watch. And I do like the fact that it you will learn you will learn about biology. You'll learn about biology if you watch. Explain this. to me the murderous pale man. Oh, he's great. He's a white blood cell. Okay, yeah, I was supposed to say, he'd better be a white blood cell with that character design. And he's great. He's 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 just this deadpan, cool character who just... who has this great friendship with the very boisterous red blood cell. Like, she's just kind of, you know, goof, kind of goofy and and boisterous and happy. And he's this very deadpan, cool guy who just rolls in and just tears tears shit apart. And but yeah, there's just and honestly, the cast of characters, all the characters, like platelets, are just super cute because they're represented as just like kids, like little kids basically, mm. and they're just super adorable. And it's oh, it's just so good. But yeah, it does get into all right, so. Yeah, this is how we're representing it, but this is what the action this here's a description of what this part of the body actually does. Like what do they accomplish? What do they do? What do they actually do? And then they represent it in awesome anime form. And you can you can watch it on Crunchyroll for free. Yeah, so and I I have a subscription to Crunchyroll because I just like it that much. But yeah, you can watch it completely for free on Crunchyroll. That's where I've been watch where I've been watching it. So, yeah, that's it's a great it's a great show and well worth watching. It's fantastic. But so, that's pretty much me for the week. Cool news news. Good God! Good God! Every day yeah, we we're missing we're missing Alex. Every podcast we stray farther from the light of God or something. <laughs> All right, right off the bat, we got some more Destiny news. It's not big news, well, kind of it is, but that's more of a joke. Uh the uh the download for Shadowkeep is gonna be sixty eight goddamn gigs. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's. That's bigger than like some games. one of the MMORPGs I have on my computer. Yep. Like by itself. Yep. Like, that's massive. Yep. I mean, granted, the actual full install for Destiny 2 is already freaking gigantic. Yep. But, 
I think the number comes to like you'll be looking at I think it's like 120 to 130 gigs of Destiny on your desktop when or on your hard drive when all things yep. are said and done at the end of that. So yeah, I feel really really sorry for the people that using this on a console. I feel sorry for anyone in a country with a data cap. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, have fun playing this in a couple of months well, when you're actually able to download it in full the finally. The better part is, if you're on PC, that means you have to re-download it for Steam and then download this, hypothetically. Yep. Or it's got to be one giant fuck-off download. It's not quite clear which yet. But, yeah! Moving on from that. Uh, we haven't talked about it in a long time, or maybe ever, because we don't really care that much about Minecraft, but... Uh, Remember when they announced for Minecraft they're gonna make a super high, like an updated gra- Minecraft graphics path that's gonna make HD or 4K graphics and like do crazy yeah. things with lighting and shit like that? Yeah, it's been canceled. Yep. Um. So they don't come yep. out and flat out say why it's been canceled, but it's the Switch. Mm. Maybe mobile as well because there is Minecraft on mobile, but I, it was cited that they were having problems getting the upgraded kind of graphics system to work on all platforms games available on, so. I mean, alright, so straight up, I'll say just Minecraft right now, it's not, alright, so the programming is not optimized. It's not well optimized graphics for what it has and what it does. Holy crap, it will cook your CPU. Yeah. Even if, even if, yeah, I mean, it cooks your CPU like I I can't even I can't even think of a modern comparison, but let's just ah uh, yeah, it's already not optimized. Yeah, I mean it's already code that seems to be held together by hopes and dreams, and so it doesn't surprise me that an HD pack is just put that over the edge and make it just literally roast your CPU and your graphics card at the same time. Yeah. But, that game's also yeah. now what, like easily ten years old. Yeah, and I it and it still runs bad on my modern computer. It still has. I mean, it still will. If you look off in the distance, you could just you could just hear your CPU slowly melting and screaming out in pain. So yeah, unless they super overhaul that code one of these days, I. Uh, yeah, I can imagine this being on a Switch, and the Switch just literally just nopes out before it explodes and dies. Yeah, I I don't know how well it runs currently on the Switch. I've not heard anything. The Switch's network capabilities make me curious about that to begin with. <laughs> but Well, yeah, I'm just even talking about single player. If you're just playing on your PC and not... I'm not even talking about bandwidth mm. for Minecraft. I'm talking about the fact that the game itself runs like crap for what it is it's i mean these are not these are not these are not complicated polygons here they're they're cubes it's a bunch of cubes which is yeah it's made up of squares and squares are already graphics primitive for graphics programming so i mean six squares should not tax your cpu to that extent and it uh, holy crap. 
it's not well optimized code and it still is not well optimized code. Yeah. But the problem is they're kind of stuck with the code base unless they do a massive overhaul of it. And we're talking about how the rendering system works. But yep, that doesn't surprise me, honestly. Yes. Moving on from that though to something far sillier. Uh Every copy of DayZ will be updated to remove weed from the game to be in accordance with Australian law. Mm. Apparently they have some laws about uh, consumption of marijuana in the game. It's a consumable that does things to your character. This isn't really news, but in a slow week it's kind of funny to think about. Yeah. It reminds me some of the uh, changes that they tried making to Rainbow Six Siege. Hmm. Or a very specific market. Admittedly, that was a much bigger market than this one is. I'm sorry, Australia, you're not as big as China. Apologies. Both both physically and economy and number of people yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it kind of reminds me of, and we aren't seeing things quite on this level anymore. It's like the Contra series. Like the... In, in Europe, it's called Probo... Protect, protector, robo, probo protector, uh, because it was kind of a thing they didn't like. They turn everybody into robots because sort of just killing loads of like humanoid-looking aliens was like uh, a lot of the sensors had a problem with that, so they just turned everybody into robots, and so the whole series is not known as Contra in Europe. It's probo. Protector, probotector. Uh, but anyways, yeah. But it is interesting that this is a change that's reaching all regions. But you know, I guess maybe better safe than sorry. And and it's not a big deal either. But anyway, no. Uh, where to go from there? Um, in the opposite end of the not a big deal category of things, uh, we got some death threats aimed at Square Enix. Like, a lot. Uh, like, a lot of death threats. And a couple of them specifically reference that uh, animation studio fire that happened, what, was it, a couple weeks ago now? A month? Yeah. Uh, it, in case people weren't familiar with it, the Kyoto animation, like, if you weren't aware, like, got burned down. Like Intentionally. Like it was arson and shit. Intentionally. And horrifi- horrifying. Killed lots of people. Like, a lot of people. Like, 65, and, I think, or something? Uh, yeah. 35, I'm seeing here. 35. But, in any case, yeah, Square Enix getting death threats that were referencing that, it's pretty awful. And so, yeah, that's... And it was because a gamer got angry, apparently, for losing a game, losing at a game, so that that was when this because this particular threat happened, one that referenced Kyoto Animation. Uh, it's yeah, the him saying basically the message was "Give me my money back for your shitty game." You know, this is uh, yeah, want me to do a repeat of Kyoto Animation, and that's that's horrible. And this isn't a kid either. This is a forty-year-old dude. Oh, it's rarely a kid. It's always some forty-year-old dude. <sighs> but, but then you know, later on in the week, 
So they had to cancel, cancel a, a, a tournament because of it, because of death threats. All right, so there's a mecha arcade game, Star Wing Paradox, which I've never played it. Uh, I don't think it's even been released here, but it looks awesome. And, but it came out, the game isn't new. The game came out last year, but the tournament was supposed to go on. They've had to cancel it. Yeah, like all the tournaments for it. Like there were four upcoming tournaments for it, and they canceled them all because of all these death threats coming in. And Square Enix? They're not exactly a a company known for doing things that I think would attract attention like that. They're yeah. not known for they don't do controversial moves. In fact, they do the like, exact opposite of controversial. Like I think we've been we've given them grief in the past for not being controversial enough. Where it's like Near was such a big deal because it's like, man, this game is something to say as opposed to every Final Fantasy game ever. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh yeah, they they're really have never been known for controversy, but I suppose angry, dumb people will find any reason to be angry and dumb. They should stay in their lane and make horny anime video games. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, that's uh of all the companies, yeah, Square Enix really doesn't deserve it. No company deserves it. Well, no, yeah. well, no company deserves freaking death threats. Yeah. But I'm saying even just actual criticism. Yes, I know what you're saying. I feel it bears repeating that no company deserves It does. It does bear repeating. Yes, no yeah. company deserves death threats. No company deserves death threats. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. So, but yeah, that's, that's... Uh, now, now to balance you out of that after that incredibly depressing kind of state of gamers and things, uh, Dota 2's uh, TI, I think, is still happening while we're recording this. Uh, TI stands... Turn out TI, the IT, the international. I wrote that down wrong. My bad. Uh, it's it, it's happening, I think, while we're recording this. I believe it will have concluded by the time it goes up. Maybe yep. we'll talk about it next week. Maybe we won't. Uh, in kind of a rare twist on uh, the gaming community, specifically Dota, the not rare part was uh, the Twitch chat for the stream, the official stream were hijacked to yep. voice support for the Hong Kong protests going on right now. And and some of it, some of the some of the hijacking has been positive. That is, it's like actual supportive messages. Yeah. Um, a lot of it is it's aimed at the fact that they're doing they're doing this tournament in Shanghai. Yes, despite everything going on right now. Yeah, but they of course they had this plan. They had planned this out like yeah, at least eight months ago or something. Something like They'd that, already yeah. announced it being in Shanghai because, yeah, I mean, for these big events, they have to do a lot of planning. And so, yeah, this was announced long ago, but, yeah, so that's the thing that's going on. So there's a lot of, yeah, so Twitch chat has been hijacked to talk about the protests. If you're not familiar with what's going on in Hong Kong, um, I, I we're not going to go into it here, but there's you can protests. look it up there's on the news. There's protests going on. Protests that there's, are... Yeah, pretty defendable in what they're protesting against. Uh, there's plenty of yes. news sites that will educate you further than that. Uh, if, yes. if, and this is kind of especially newsworthy because the Dota community, kind of both the online multiplayer online games in general, but specifically the Dota community, has had some real issues with some just blatant anti-Asian racism in the past. And Yeah, especially while, anti-China. Yeah. And while this is not done in necessarily the best way, 
and for the most part, it's net positive. Like the 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 prep, the hijacking for the most part has been in support of something as opposed to just a time to throw racist insults at China as a general whole. Now those are going. Unfortunately, those have also been oh, yeah, in no, the hijack but, yep. of trolls throwing in their racist comments. But a whole lot of the hijacking has actually been, hey. Hong Kong, we should support Hong Kong, and this is a thing, and yeah, we maybe should be doing this in Shanghai, but yeah, I mean, it it is bringing light to, you know, world, important world issues that affect everybody, and yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely, yeah, there's a lot to it, and I think, you know, going in, there again we're not going to go into what's going on over there but i think seeing this bleed into it's important know, that a, it bleeds i think like it's yes to see dota 2 you know and dota 2 is a huge game i mean it's a massive massive one of the base. biggest games in the world that's got like a 31 million dollar yeah. prize pool right now i think which which means that this issue is going to be and is being announced to a very large community so that part of it is positive. Yeah, it's unfortunate that the racist elements, you know, the anti-China elements have made it their way into that too, but yeah. But yeah, um so yeah, that's uh but yeah, that's it's it's become kind of a thing now of chats being hijacked for one thing or another. But at least in this case there is some net positive here. Cool. Yeah. No, it's We'd much rather hear about chats being hijacked for this than what they typically are, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, it's kind of related to the, uh, to the um, international, we'll mention it because it's Steam-related. We forgot to talk about this this week. I actually read some stuff and just completely blanked on it. There was a giant Steam exploit exposed last week. I don't mean like exploit like free games or whatever. A giant security one where if you had any type of malicious game of any kind on there on your on selling your they basically could gain full user control of your computer there's not been mm-hmm. a lot of comment from steam about this since it, um uh what's the how you pronounce these guys arts technica mm-hmm. kind of replicated the, uh, the the exploit several times and informed steam about this and there's been as at least as of writing this or as of reading of talking about this wow they're hasn't been an update on this story yet, so keep an eye on your computer for a little bit until maybe this is officially fixed, because it's possible to gain, like, full full control of your computer through a pretty easily exploitable aspect of Steam right now. Like, maybe don't install Unicorn Adventure 6969 Hyper Hentai Edition. Yeah. Just saying. Until they fix this. Yep. So, yeah, it's not going to affect things if you're just for legit games. Yeah, like most of you game. are probably fine. Yeah, but as we know, Steam is also a dumping ground for a lot of total horse it's especially because they have this new kind of Wild West approach all of a sudden. Yep. So, yep, so be careful. Yep. You might want to, yeah, duck away from that indie game that you haven't heard anything about but looks kind of interesting at least for now yeah 
So be careful. Maybe with your buy purchases. it still if you're curious about it. But yeah, maybe but don't install it. Yeah, yet. like or at least read some reviews out there and see if people are like, man, all my credit card information was stolen days after playing this indie game. Don't think it's the indie game's fault, but I'm writing an article about this, so I think it might be. Yep. Yeah. And this was also a zero-day exploit. Yeah. So that means they found it like it was found immediately. Yeah, which means other people have found it immediately. Yep. Uh, where to go from here? Um, let's I guess maybe finish off with our China Steam topic, or we're finding ourselves in. Uh, so we've talked a couple instances on this podcast about either game uh, console uh, makers like Sony and Nintendo and Xbox getting out there and talking about this, but it is a fa- the the tariffs that they were so concerned about potentially affecting the sales and causing the prices to go up in the U.S. have been pushed back to December. Yep. That's cool, I guess. It's, yeah, I mean, these tariffs and this whole trade war, it's just, it's ham-fisted, done in a very ham-fisted way, and it's, uh, it's, let's just say, I'm not even an economist, and I can tell it's not well thought out. And economists say they're not well thought out. Oh, yeah, lots of economists, like, let's just say, doesn't matter what their leanings are, all of them are like, oh, these are, yes, you know, these are, there's things that you should do. Sometimes tariffs are exactly what you'd be doing, but, oh, these aren't, this trade, these trade wars have not been well thought out, you know, as far as what their rippling effects would be, and that's the important part. I mean, we've already talked about this, but, yeah, we, we have talked about this, you know, in an earlier podcast. But yeah, now, because they've just, you know, I'm sure, essentially, the administration got hit with a bunch of calls from various companies saying, yeah, no, you might want to rethink this and not do it, do it in such a ham-fisted manner. Not saying this will bite you in the ass, but... <laughs> yep. But, yep. So, uh, delay, bad thing. And you know what? It and it might even die on the way to December. So yeah, we'll see. We, we can only hope because it's not just video games that's hypothetically affected. It affects a whole slew of things, but video games are the ones we care about on this phones. Podcast. I mean, phones, anything electronics, really. Yeah. Yeah. We're now going to bring you the uh, Henry uh, Sega minute of the week, if you will. Uh, Henry, you have one <laughs> to talk about Sega quickly. Yes. Um, so there's a new a new website. They're teasing a new project. It looks like a new game series or franchise. Uh, but it's so light on content. There's basically you see the uh, EKG heart monitor thing going, and that's pretty much it. And then also the ability to sign up for updates for whatever this thing is. It's obvious they're go- trying to go for viral marketing. I'm sure there's probably stuff hidden within the site. I haven't gone into it too deep yet, but there's probably stuff hidden within the site that's sort of, you know, they, you know, attempts at virtual marketing, you know, some sort of hidden sites sure. and sites and network. I'm sure that's what's going to be happening soon. But summarize hey, your second minute of the week. Sega launched yeah. a website. It may or may not have game related things on it. <laughs> but also in Sega News of the Week, that site has already been turned into DeviantArt porn, as all Sega properties are. <laughs> We did it, boys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it will always cool when someone announces a new thing. 
we normally wouldn't report on this, but we thought we could have fun with the fact that the news is literally Sega made a website. <laughs> Sega knows how to make websites. They do. They make some good websites that really like whip the further up. It's like, man, I have no idea what this game is from. That's like, like fuck yeah, it's this. Oh, it's that. Uh, no one cares. But man, that website. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's new viral marketing for the new Sonic movie. <sighs> I want to believe <laughs> you, but also part of me is like a hundred percent convinced. Even Sega is like, maybe we don't want to be associated with the set with the Sonic movie. It's got Sonic in it. Yeah, we need to find a way to the distance our Sonic from the Sonic in that thing. Why? Well, we'll see. Yep. I mean, it, right now, they're, I'd say that they're starting to be more strongly associated with the extremely good Yakuza series. So, Have you yeah, heard the Cats conspiracy? That. The what? The Cats conspiracy? No, do tell. Okay, so there's a uh, definitely not a real conspiracy, but the fun one to joke about <laughs> conspiracy that to draw attention away from kind of the character designs for the Sega for the um, Sonic movie, Sega covertly funded the Cat CG movie to make people be like, man, compared to this, those Sega characters <laughs> look great. That Sonic <laughs> is not terrible looking. Awesome. Yeah, Sonic does not disturb you on the same level yeah. as this will, so it's, it's getting us ready and prepared for it. Yeah. Uh, yep. Oh god, cats so bad. Uh, yep. Yep. In kind of actual video game related news, uh THQ Nordic, remember THQ Nordic? We haven't talked about them in a little while. Uh is out there saying this new Saints Row in development and coming in the nearest future, and that Dead Island 3 is very much still a thing, despite being seven years in development now, I think. Like that thing that fucker's been in development since Xbox 360 ended. Oh, yeah, you're right. Wow. I really, honestly, totally forgot about it. Because, well, I mean, I didn't really play the Dead Island series, really. Nor should you have, really. Like, they're... I played the first one, and it's meh. The, the, the first one is better than the second one, oddly enough. I will say this. Like, I don't know what they're going to do with Saints Row, considering that 4 just super jump the shark in hilarious fashion. Oh no, I meant to say Dead Island 2, not Dead Island 3. My bad. Yeah. But, as far as a new Saints Row game, I mean, that's something I'd be kind of excited about, but I don't, I don't know what they're gonna do other than... I have... Yeah, I honestly, I don't know. Uh, because, yeah, it's... It super jumps the shark in a loving and hilarious way, but it's like, where do you go from there? I guess maybe wind it back down a bit? I don't know. I don't know what they get. I mean, I think I felt like four was just the cap to the series, and I don't know. Maybe they're gonna reboot it in a sense. I don't know. I mean, did you have you played the Saints Row series much? Yeah. Yes, I, I am a big fan of Saints Row two and three. I three is so good. I really hated four because it became kind of I. I get it, it's ripping on superhero games, but that was also the game that the sense of humor for that franchise just kind of jumped the shark a little bit too hard for me. I, I I like those games for being a not GTA game. Like they, they Yes. I, I enjoy how they're like a reflection of GTA, which has gotten more and more serious and where 
like at the time three was competing with Grand Theft Auto Four, if I remember correctly, it was the game yeah. with the fucking dildo bat kind of thing. Like three is not as good yeah. as two, but it plays a lot better. So I don't really give a fuck at yeah. that point. I, it's yeah, like all the powers I felt got in the way of what I liked about Grand, about the Saints Row games. I, well, they well all the powers plus the fact that some of the new con like the new contacts you get your your crew, which is the main mechanic that made it different. You know, the Saints Row games, the main mechanic was you build a crew and you get them better weaponry and they end up with better stats and whatnot, but they are useless in Saints Row 4. The mechanic is still there, but they're not even remotely useful anymore. They show up and they just get slaughtered by the aliens and it's not even like... it. It's You're just better off using your calls to call the uni- like unique peoples, main, main cast people that yeah. you call up. But yeah, it's. Uh, I do like the fact that it includes uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, uh, and he has some you know great stuff with Keith David's character, you know very much throwing back to They Live. But yeah, it it makes the main mechanics of the game completely useless. But so I feel like yeah, if they come out with a new Saints Row and wind it back down to be like two and three. Yeah, I'd like to see that. Yeah, like a Saints Row two and a half, like with the mm. combat of three and maybe the like the better storyline of, of two. Yeah, like it's I, I love three. Three is a fantastic mm. oh, game, yeah. but it was definitely the point where I'm like, man, this humor is starting to steer the ship some, and I'm not sure I like it that way. Like bring it, like bring it in a little bit more. That'd be nice, but. I don't know. I I would definitely play another Saints Row game if they wound it back some. Like I I don't think you can continue the franchise's signature. Oh, we're going bigger and more ridiculous. Like I think uh, there was a Volition game after four that was not well received. Um, State of Chaos, Agents of Chaos, Agents of Anarchy. I. Mm. It, it was very much like yo, they got superhero powers, and it was like no one yep. wants this any anymore. Really, like I. It, the people I know that love four love it in like a meme way, and they're also mm. that love Sunset Overdrive, yeah. which is another game that like the the writing for is the polarizing thing. Like there there are cool parts yeah. of the game, but like I hate that game for it's like yo we're four um fuck not 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 four chan where uh God what's that now defunct uh, video game blog uh, forum site called um. Eight Chan? No, not not one of the Chans. Uh, it, we talked about it. A mass exodus a couple years back. People got themselves banned. Uh, uh, e bombs world. No, but this is of that ilk. Yeah, like it was something like, awful forums. No, but like a, a joke was made at the end of the game. Like, oh, they'll fucking crucify us on blah blah blah. If we just end the game that way. So here's a big dumb boss fight. It's like I get it, but also fuck you. Don't acknowledge these people. Don't make a game for these people. Don't make video game humor the video game. Yep. Oh yeah. Also, just we'll just throw out there and mention THQ Nordic also is continuing their super spending spree on buying up companies and properties, which I'm okay with. Yeah, I'm I'm not. I'm not saying there's anything about it. Got a Starsiders three, a game I thought would never happen. Yep. So yep, they're continuing to buy up properties and games, and yeah. Sure, go ahead. Uh, yep. So yeah, what next? Uh, let's let's talk about Anthem quickly, or let's let's talk about I guess the concept of prominent figures leaving uh, 
games that are in some form of development currently. That's a sad thing to say about Anthem. I, let's, just, let's just get into it. So, Ben Irving, a veteran of Bioware of eight years. I believe he actually went back to Bioware as part of kind of the, like, Anthem uprising that happened initially, has chosen mm -hmm. to depart Bioware for another game studio. Mm. Uh, Alex isn't here to say, but Anthem's dead, but I, <laughs> I, I have never been less confident in where Anthem is going at this point. Like, it's yep. partially because this was the guy that was out there, like, doing the public-facing shit. Like, and maybe that's the problem. Maybe he became too much the public face of Anthem and is choosing to leave kind of for his own mental sanity. But with him removed from the equation, it's kind of his approach to Twitter and the live streams and stuff. I I don't have a lot of faith in this game anymore. Like, I, I know we talked, like, last week or two weeks ago, but I went back to the game after the new update. It was like, yeah, this is a thing you could play technically, but I I feel confident declaring Anthem, a game that was never truly alive, dead. Like, I, I expect there not to be any more updates after this point. Like, I, as part of this, it was said that, oh, Anthem's stuck. They're still developing. The team behind it's still working on it real hard. There's cool stuff coming. If we never say anything again, I won't be surprised at this point. Like, I, yep. I have zero faith in that game as of right now. Which sucks, because I stuck. It's we talked about it a bunch of my Destiny clan, actually, where it's like, there are parts of that game that still, despite all the bullshit, really hold up and continue to be cool. It's a shame the game is not worth playing at this point, because from a gameplay standpoint, that game can be fucking badass. But, yeah. So, yeah. So, in similar news? Yes. The, uh, the creative director for Halo Infinite, a game that, in theory, comes out this year. I'm getting his name now. Um, uh, Tim Long. Longo? Yeah. Tim Longo has departed. Uh, he's been with 343 Industries for a long-ass time. Uh, when did he join? Okay, so his biggest kind of credit most recently was he was the creative director for Halo 5, a mixed review game, but kind of the last creative head for the studio. Not not last one there, but like the last one, the, the head of game kind of thing they put out. And yeah. It, I don't know much about Halo Infinite because no one knows much about Halo Infinite, but that seems like maybe not a huge deal right now because hopefully a creative director's job would be mostly done for a game that in theory comes out. This year or next year? I assume whenever the Xbox Scarlet comes out, or the next Xbox, Xbox 4 or 5, whatever the fuck number they're up to. Yeah. That thing's gonna launch with Halo because you kind of have to. Yep. But <laughs> this doesn't look good. And 343 Industries has always kind of been a weird thing. Uh, the history of that, for those who don't know, was yeah. when Bungie said, we're not making any more Halo games, 343 was founded to keep making Halo games. They've had technically three Halo games to date. They had the Master Chief Collection, which, as we all know, was a clusterfuck and kind of continues to be one to this day a little bit. Nowhere near as severe, but it's still technically being fixed. They've never declared victory on that thing, as far as I know. They also did Halo 4 and Halo 5. Uh, I like both of those games a lot. I was a big fan of Halo 4. I thought Halo 5 did some cool stuff. Like Halo, 
Halo 5 was a post-Destiny Halo. It brought in kind of cooperative aspects and team dynamics and revives, which, you know, Halo yeah. known for its reviving and stuff, but... Oh, don't forget the arcade game that they've made. What arcade game do they make? Yeah, Halo. Oh, actually, right, actually... the Halo arcade game, yes. How, how could, yeah, I, mentioned how that could some, I forget about the Halo ago. arcade game? Or, or months ago, actually, several months ago. How but... could I forget about the Halo arcade game? They actually do but, that themselves, or is that someone else? I don't know if they shopped it out to somebody else, Fair. but I imagine they did because part of it, games you know. are kind of a whole yeah. different thing. But that would also make yep. sense. Yes, um, we're, we're not going to be super naysaying doomsayers just yet, but it's uh, enjoy it's Halo while you can. It's a high-profile departure. Yeah. So. In the same way that it's a big deal when any high-profile member leaves Blizzard, this speaks to maybe some culture changes at 343 or has some talks about what the studio needs to do in the future. I We don't know. We're not in the room. We're not, we, we're not as connected as maybe others might be, but it is it is a questionable looks, not the right word, but it is a public thing that should at least raise your concern a little bit what the hell's going on at 343. Yep. Moving on from that, um, we didn't really talk about it much because, well, we don't talk about Fortnite that much, but there's been <laughs> a lot of rage over the mechs they added to Fortnite. I believe we talked about them in context of Titanfall, ironically. And Epic Games got out there and kind of controversially said, the mechs are there so more people can win. Yep. Which, as a not-Fortnite player, I think sounds both cool and like total fucking bullshit. <laughs> oh, I think it's freaking awesome. Yeah, it's one of those ones where it's the... I think we are running into the... Failure's the wrong word, but I don't have a better word for it in my brain right now. Like The, the, the limitation of having a Battle Royale video game. Like, it's... Yes. Inherently, you eventually hit a point where you have some subsection of the group playing it still that has either not won in an exceedingly long time or has failed to win ever kind of thing. And yeah, oh, I, I know me personally would eventually get frustrated with not being able to win at a game eventually kind of thing. Like I, it's, when yeah. Apex Legends dropped, I played that until I got a, a win and stopped playing altogether kind of thing. It's like, okay, I did the thing, I'm out, but whatever. Like These games aren't for me. I, I'm kind of curious. Like It's the... This is a pretty big stance to take from yeah. someone who's making a... As me who played does not play Battle Royale games, commenting on a company that essentially only makes a Battle Royale game at this point's behavior, this seems like a potentially dangerous gamble. I, I, I cannot stress enough, like, we don't cover Fortnite news, so we haven't done a real good job of, of kind of conveying this. The mechs have been just hilariously polarizing. Like, it, the amount yep. of just ire those things have raised in Fortnite has been, I don't want to say beautiful to watch, but I love watching <laughs> kind of smug video game communities tear themselves uh -huh. apart. So it's it's definitely been that. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, I love that they, yeah, that they came out and said straight up. They didn't dance around it either. Yeah. I mean, in, in you know, and quote, the mission of Fortnite is to bring players of all skill levels together to have a fun experience where anyone can win. That's that's pretty clear. That's that's not dancing around it. That's saying 
straight up. Yeah, that. Yeah, we put them in there to, well, balance <laughs> in a certain sense, but to, yeah, let more people. I in. also love the idea of balancing via giant mecha robot. Like, well, oh, yeah. this game's unbalanced. <laughs> How do we fix it? Have we thought about applying giant mecha robots? It's uh, always the best fix. Our, our, <laughs> our game is a, is a realistic survival game, but. I guess we could put giant mecha robots in the game. Do it and see how it plays out. Well, you say realistic survival game. I was like, you can build, you can build towers in the second. Oh, I was saying like add them to like rust. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> we've balanced rust by adding Gundams. We got the license for Gundams, like kind of Ark at that point, I guess. But <laughs> to check out Ark again, that game keeps getting weird in a good way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last quickie one before we get into a slightly more drawn out in our last news of the week. Uh, Nintendo will allow you to trade in your old Switch for a new, better Switch so long as you bought it within a certain time frame. Meaning, if you bought it kind of like... Did they give an exact range for this one, Henry? Yeah, July 17th. Yeah, so it, basically if you bought it up to a, about a month ago, when this podcast will go up, when we're recording it actually, to present, meaning within the time frame of, hey, there's this new Switch coming out, whoops, you bought a Switch, they'll let you swap it. Yeah, and the thing is, it's mainly about battery life, but I mean, it's a huge jump in battery life. And so, the battery life from an average of 5.5 hours to 9 hours. And so, that's a pretty big change, and I, I imagine people would be pretty upset if they bought one and then immediately Nintendo was said you know and then they found then for them you know the next day nintendo says oh yeah here's this new switch with better battery life so for the same price you know that's not like the new ones for a different price it's just an update to the hardware and mainly to the battery circuitry i'm guessing into the battery itself but yeah but that's that's actually really cool for them to allow that to happen because they're just going to take a straight up loss on that one you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. You know, what percentage of people are actually going to take them up on the offer? But you know, it's kind of impressive that they're offering that because it's one thing to allow sort of trade-ins or refunds for a digital, you know, completely digital game. It's like for a digital download, it's like they aren't necessarily taking a hit on that. But they, here, they're taking a hit on hardware, and that's that's rough. Is it though? Like, I it's. Well, there's not... Alright, so I'll tell you straight up. There's almost no markup on hardware. It's too competitive right now. That's fair. And so they don't make a ton of money off of the hardware. They just don't. That's why Nintendo still focuses on a lot of first-party titles. They just don't make much money on the hardware. They yeah. never have. And no company... No, none of the big three are, really. So, yeah. So for them to take a hit on that, yeah, that's, that's kind of big. But yeah, I mean it's it's impressive. Yeah. Oh oh ah, uh, there's an update. Ah, uh, so that's an update. Just like all right, so the story broke yesterday. Oh. So there's already been an update this morning. Mm -hmm. So it may be they may not be offering it after all. So we'll have, we'll we'll have to see. So they're saying it may not be offered. So. There's at least one person, at least one person at Nintendo America saying that 
in a PR statement that they won't be. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's the thing. Sometimes PR doesn't necessarily have the news either. Yeah. Or they're not prepared to officially roll out this this idea. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll update you if we hear more about that kind of thing. Like It, it definitely has a too-good-to-be-true aspect to it, unfortunately. Yep. Yeah. So our last news article of the week, and this is less an article and more kind of a return of our general talking thing, because it's, it's, it, there's no one article or kind of t- news aspect of this we can point to, but I think it's bears worth talking about. And we apologize in advance if you tune into our podcast for a relatively political-free thing. This is going to be political adjacent, or we're going to talk about politics in video games, not anything necessarily specifically political, but you've been warned. I apologize if this triggers you or whatever the right douchebag phrase is in this instance but yeah so kind of uh early on this week we had uh, that not we had the uh the uh vi the vp of ubisoft got out there and made a comment on how ubisoft's official stance has been that their games are not political despite remember, remember ubisoft is the company that has the rainbow six franchise a game about a counter-terrorist squad essentially not essentially what it is, actually, and The Division 2, a game that literally takes place in the U.S. capital. Yeah, and then, of course, there's the Assassin's Creeds, which are set in actual history. They're yeah. historical fiction, but they're set in actual history and have far-reaching plots. Mm-hmm. So, but, and yeah, part of this kind of conversation and interview with the VP of uh, VP did, he said that we are aware of the fact that saying our games are not political is unto itself a political statement that is uh, that undermines our kind of sense of oh they're not political like by by saying you're not being political you inherently are because you're insisting that nothing about your game can be taken one way or another and this would be kind of whatever kind of thing we might not even talk about this normally except for the fact that Separate from this, but kind of, I'm sure, triggered by this, a, a, a large number of other outlets be kind of troll for news and stuff like that. A variety of think pieces and other kind of talking conversations have been had about this idea, the idea of being non-political, being a political statement in video games, and the fact that the companies that seem to kind of cling to this idea are often the ones that are obviously intentionally trafficking the most in politics. Remember, Ubisoft is the people behind the Watch Dogs franchise, the upcoming Watch Dogs Legion, which I don't think you can make those games and call them non-political and not be a liar at that point. Like Even Watch Dogs 1, which has some kind of unfortunate Punisher sociopath murder vibes to it, is still inherently a political game just based off subject matter. And also, there's the Far Cry series as well. Yeah, again, I mean, like as much as Far Cry is a beautiful murder simulator, the most recent one is inherently political, just based on what it's talking about. Like, fuck, the only kind of non-political Far Cry games are Far Cry Blood Dragon and Far Cry 3, but even those games don't totally avoid that. They step on kind of other political-related aspects of that conversation. Fuck, Blood Dragon yeah. could be taken as a kind of mockery of other games being non-political because it's non-political in the most political way possible where it's like yo yeah we're making we are directly referencing a bunch of action movies 
that unto themselves, like, yeah, they're action movies, but they kind of played with aspects of the times. And, and yeah. So, yeah, so, and and the thing is, and, and, and to his credit, this, uh, this particular VP, uh, what's his name? Uh, I'm getting it for you. Uh, Tom, Tommy Francois. Yep. And he's even talking about, like, having voted in information and politics and let's just say that you should that it'd be good to look this up it's worth a read it's a lot it really you know, is I, I typically find when the upper the higher ups of ubisoft talk about things to kind of be very corporate artsy if that makes any sense but what the what, what the guy interviewed directly kind of inadvertently steers into i think are very important conversations for the gaming industry at this point I, yeah, and so I probably yeah. the most important takeaway from all this is that this start this starts off as a conversation about what he thinks the like the ultimate video game would be, and maybe he accidentally describes the Matrix Online, which is kind of funny. Alex is in here for that this week, but it, it it's fascinating the idea that like we're approaching a point where your games are going to have to be political to be relevant anymore, and you can't keep taking the like no approach. It doesn't mean, you know, and we're not saying that, oh, every, we're definitely not saying every single game must be political. Super Smash Obviously Brothers not. will never have anything political to say. There I no. said it. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, just, there's loads of games, but when you are, especially when you're, when you're referencing or at least mirroring current events, it's political. It just is. It's to act like it's apolitical when you're talking about modern politics is... Yeah, that's that's that that's not a thing. Yeah. Anytime a game references something like Brexit, that game is actually being political as much as people might not want it to be. And that's I I, I hate to say it this way, but occasionally it feels like gamers very actively want to keep the two separate. Like the idea of my gaming hardware, my gaming games, etc. etc. That's a good sentence. Like you want them to be straightforward and simple and not full of real-world connections. I get it. I, I super get it. Fuck, I play Destiny, a game about being yeah. a space Viking, essentially, kind of thing. That's some escapism shit at that point. Yeah, I'm, I am I just mentioned earlier, I'm playing through a, a fantasy swords game that's also a dating sim. With, so. like, weird eugenics undertones, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I think, but and in a side, in a kind of a side note, I think that if you're going to hit upon a you know mirror current events or mirror politics in some way or another, that you have a responsibility to to you have to take the responsibility to do it right and to treat it with the respect that it deserves, and you. I mean, you're taking on a responsibility because you're you're mass media, especially with a large company like Ubisoft. You are you are shaping people's opinions. You just are. I mean, this is this is. I have you know, I've I have similar I've learned more about European history from from the fucking Assassin's Creed franchise than I'm comfortable with. Yeah, yeah, especially the Borgias. Yep. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's. I think that there is a. And, and it seems like Ubisoft has, when you look at the games, taken it pretty seriously. Like, I love the fact that 
while the Assassin's Creed games are historical fiction, they straight up give you large amounts of this is what the actual history really was. Here's actual facts about history. And, the, you know, knowing that, you know, what's going on here is historical fiction, but here's what was actually happening and what we're kind of playing off of, what we are definitely playing off of. And so I think there is, and I feel like in a wider sense, like as a mass media distributor, like you have responsibility. You can't just throw something out there that's politically charged and throw your hands up and say there's no message there. I think that's, that's uh, you're, you're trying to absolve yourself of responsibility. I mean, if you don't want to make political games, don't, moder, mo- don't model modern politics or what's going on in countries. Like, don't, don't model that. You know, make Smash Brothers. Make whatever. But don't put out the Division 2 and act like it's not political. Yeah, use, a, use another Ubisoft property. Uh, the fact that the new, uh, not Ghost Recon, um, is it Ghost Recon? I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah, no, new Ghost the, the new Ghost Recon, the, the the not Wildlands one, the mm-hmm. the one that takes place on video game island, the place because mm-hmm. they got in a shit ton of trouble for Wildlands taking place in a real place. Mm-hmm. Like th- that's what you have to do. Unfortunately, then you wind up in video gamia. Yeah. But yeah, it's. Uh... But yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's easy to take on this responsibility. I'm not implying, I don't want to be implying that either. And it's, but that's the thing. If you're going to delve into that, I think you have to take on the full responsibility, especially as a, as a large a company as Ubisoft is with as much of a reach they have. I think they have to take a principled stand at some point on, and sometimes it means, I think sometimes it definitely means kind of taking a side on the way you present it. And not necessarily like propaganda. I'm not saying to propagandize, but I mean, you have to lay it out for what it is and also recognize that, yeah, it's political. It's going to be politically charged and be prepared for fault, like for for blowback on this. And don't be surprised by it either. Yeah, I, I think both me and Henry are kind of in the same boat saying we don't expect you to be perfect. We just expect you to acknowledge what you're doing. Yes. Because it's not easy. Yeah. I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that it is a responsibility, and if you're going to put going to put yourself in that position with the games you're making, you have to take that seriously, and it sounds like they are. It actually, yeah. while, while his interview seemed a bit defensive, and rightly so, it's, Ubisoft, he's a major player to Ubisoft, and it's just, I mean, and he has a direct hand in budgeting games. It it is a sensitive topic for him in a sense. It's kind of his baby. Yeah. But but also he seems to be you know at other times very candid in talking about this. A candor which we have not seen with a lot of video game companies. Especially period. Ubisoft. Especially the large companies. Like, I mean, can you think of any other major company in you know Ubisoft level? That is even out there acknowledging this at all. No, I, I know CD Projekt Red gets out there and puts their foot in their mouth every single time. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. It's like I think I think it's good to hear from a higher up, a you know a a VP about these things and acknowledging these things and not 
trying to just sweep it. He wasn't, he doesn't seem like he was ever dismissive. No. He wasn't trying to sweep it under the rug and act like, oh, well, that's, the, you know. No, he's acknowledging it openly and having a, a, what I feel is a pretty honest conversation about it. And that's, and, and an open acknowledgement of, of this being an actual thing. So, yeah, I, and, yeah, and I think it's silly. Uh, it always, and let's just say this comes from my own distaste from the amount of, you know, still stemming from, you know, Gamergate-related type stuff in that this big pushback by a small but hatefully loud loud minority of gamers that are angry about anything remotely political in their games. And, you know, and my, my answer to that is don't play those games. Like, if you don't like the fact that your game has Oh no, an LGBT character in it. You know what? There's the door. You can walk out of it. So, yeah, you don't have to buy that game. So don't buy it. Nope. Instead of just sending death threats to developers over it. Because, by the way, you know, in case you haven't been paying attention, that's what's been happening. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's... I think I would like to see more large companies, you know, for the for the companies that have been putting out games with a political, with an obvious political, political associations, just take a stand and say, we're going to keep making these games. If you don't like a game with politics in it, then don't buy this game. There are plenty of other games that don't care. Play Fortnite. You know, play whatever, lots of other games. There's there's, there's at this point millions of games. Probably literally, yeah. And so you don't have to play anything. You don't. Have, there's no requirement to play any game. Yeah. That that you can you you can find a game that caters specifically to your interests. I mean, there's a dad dating simulator that exists, and I've played through it. So yeah, you can find whatever you want, and. So don't begrudge, you know, don't begrudge the people that, you know, are perfectly happy to see games like This War of Mine. No, and I think it's also there. important to bring up the fact that, like, you don't get to pick and choose when a game is or isn't political kind of thing. Like, I, the number of people that love The Witcher for its kind of political intrigue and stuff like that, but then kind mm -hmm. of roll their eyes when it's not done as well or... It's done differently. It's like, oh, it's not The Witcher's political, so it's shit. It's like, no. It, both games have a right to exist. Like, this war of mine is never going to be The Witcher's political system. No. This war of mine is realer, though, than The Witcher's political system in some kind of weird ways. It's just also more off-putting because it's quite real. Yeah, viscerally, depressingly super real. I'll reiterate that I think it's a very important game. Yeah. I'm glad it exists. But yeah, I mean, yeah. So, but there's there's choices out there. We got we got tons of choices. Yeah. Choices exist. So, buy the games you want, and stop complaining about games. Yeah, I, I yeah I think the yeah I think the con. I mean, really, it's just like kind of summarize. Politics, they're going to be in games. They kind of have some to be games, at this point. 
like, well, depending on where your subject matter is, you can't avoid it, and you can't act like it's not political. But, yeah, so, but yeah, it's, it is it is refreshing to see a, you know, a higher-up, an executive-level person talking about this in a in a, what seems like a pretty honest way, so. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that more or less does it for this week. We have no emails to go over, but... If you wanted to send us an email, um, Henry, where would you send it to? That is wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. What's that email again? <laughs> wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. Wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. Spells it sounds down in the show notes. Et cetera, et cetera. You're still going to Alex or vice versa, aren't you? <laughs> oh, crap. But, you called on me twice. Ah, email. But, but. Thank you, thank you yeah. so much, uh, listeners. Yeah. I mean, please send us email. Yeah. We love reading it. We love answering it. We've gotten some good emails lately. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Anything you want to say before we get the hell out of here this week? Um, I'll just yeah say that you can catch me on Instagram at Kraken Zero, Z E R Zero, on and on Facebook and on Twitch. I am Nomad Har, but. I seriously haven't been streaming in a while, and I'm still trying to figure out what my schedule will be for that, but anyways, that's, yeah, that's kind of it. There is a very real chance with the cross safetyness launching this week that I will uh, drag Alex into playing some Destiny, and if you set up the stream, we may stream some of that, because I am not set up to stream, but yeah. All right. Keep an eye out for that. Maybe it'll happen. Probably not, but we can only hope. <laughs> Yep. If that does it for this week, then cue the magic. <laughs>